This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse number 24. We just concluded uh, this past uh, Sunday uh, just a, a brief series entitled Essential. And in that series, we looked at uh, the essential book, that is the Bible, the essential message, that is the gospel, and then the essential gathering that is the church and as we have examined this essential gathering we've noted that the function of the church is essential the church exists to preach and to teach the message of God's word we noted that the fruit of the church is essential and we noted that the fellowship of the church is essential. As we were concluding that point, we looked at several aspects of what it means for you and I as a church family to fellowship together. And I want us just to revisit those closing verses. There are a number of thoughts that uh, in my effort to conclude uh, on Sunday evening, I rushed through and I just want us to revisit those tonight and take a closer look at each of those thoughts. Uh, we'll, we'll still have to continue to move swiftly through it, but God willing, we'll finish that uh, this evening. As I mentioned to you, we are working to uh, put a gospel booklet together. It will be entitled Essential. And it will deal with those three subjects, the essential book, the Bible, the essential message, the gospel, and the essential gathering, the church. And uh, we are nearing the end of the layout and design phase, and hopefully it will be printed soon. What we desire to do once it is printed, obviously, is get it in the hands of people here in our community. We want them to know the message of the gospel. And um, uh, during this spring, we plan to canvas our community and get these booklets in the hands of our neighbors. So I hope that you will pray about that. If you'd like to give toward that project, then note that on your uh, tithing envelopes or uh, you can note that in uh, the online giving in some way. But I hope that you will help us. I hope that you will pray. And then once the booklets are here, we got to get them in people's hands, right? And so I hope that you will help us with that. Uh, once we get that project done, I'd like to get it printed in Spanish. And uh, I hope you'll pray with us about how we can get all of that done. And uh, the Lord will guide us in it. But I want us to revisit this passage this evening and talk about the fellowship of the church and Give us a biblical picture of what fellowship really means. 
The Bible says in verse 24 of this text, and let us consider one another to provoke and to love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. We noted that the church is the family of God and you and I have been placed into his family. Uh, The church is also pictured as his body, and the Bible teaches us that we are members of his body. Uh, We have been placed into the church by God himself, and we are to function as the Lord has designed for us to function. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. What brings us into a common bond of fellowship is that we know the Lord Jesus is our Savior and that we are walking in his truth. We are walking in the light of the truth of the word of God. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. He is speaking here of those who were converted, uh, those who believed upon the name of the Lord Jesus, and they were added to the church. This happened at Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, rather. And uh, they uh, continued in the doctrine of the apostles and in fellowship. They had a common uniting bond, and they participated together. That's what the word fellowship means. It means participation, communion. And you and I who are members of his body and members one of another, uh, we have a common purpose and a common thread that unites us, and we are to serve the Lord together. We are to be in fellowship one with another. The Bible says in the book of Philemon, chapter 1 and verse 7, is. Paul wrote to Philemon, he said, For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. This fellowship is a refreshing thing. It is an encouraging thing. And God has placed us in his body to encourage and to edify one another. So I want us to look at at each of these passages just briefly tonight and get a picture of, for what it means for us to have fellowship. Now, oftentimes we think, well, fellowship is when we get together with some of our buddies who we enjoy being with. Or maybe we have a meal and we're Baptists and we like to gather together and have a meal, right? But that's not really what fellowship is. It's not just getting with the people that you like, that you naturally gravitate to. It is uniting together with those you like and maybe those that are a little different than you, those that you're comfortable around and maybe those that you're not quite as comfortable around, those who share a lot of your tastes, your likes and dislikes, and those uh, who do not share your tastes, your likes and your dislikes. Our personalities are not the thing that unite us. The color of our skin or the philosophies that we 
have been taught don't necessarily unite us. The thing that unites us is our love for Christ and our commitment to walk in his truth. We are, by nature, creatures of habit, right? And we gravitate to the safest space we can find. That happens when we're, you know, in preschool or elementary school, set with our buddies at lunch. And uh, we don't like to get out of our box or our comfort zone. But fellowship is not about our comfort zone. It is about our commonality in Christ. And so I want us to just examine what the fellowship of the church looks like. And so let's, let's look at it. We find it here in verse 24. First of all, we see that we are to consider one another. If you're writing these things down, we are to consider one another. And let us, verse 24, consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. The word provoke means to move. As we interact together in the New Testament church, we are to encourage and provoke one another to love and to good works. How is it that you and I can encourage one another to love one another and to do good works? And you see, oftentimes when we approach the subject of fellowship and we talk about our responsibility one to another, here's the way we often think. Well, nobody's really doing that for me. I'm trying to encourage a few people, but really nobody's trying to encourage me. And if we're not careful, then we only want to invest as long as we believe there is going to be a return on the investment. We only want to do for others as long as we believe that others will reciprocate and sometimes God will allow us to not reciprocate so that we might go through a testing or a trial to see if we will continue to remain obedient to him and by the way if we continue to invest in others in fellowship one with another we will enjoy the blessings and benefits but there may be snapshots of time where we do not enjoy those blessings and benefits and where we do grow discouraged and when we are tempted to quit, then the question comes, what is our motive? And so may God help us. We're to consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. You see, my responsibility and my role in the church is not just simply for my own pleasure and benefit. If I'm a member of the choir, I have a responsibility. And if I'm not going to fulfill my responsibility, I have to understand that impacts other people. If I'm serving in the nursery, I have a responsibility. You see, if I am a member of the New Testament church, I have to understand that that I have a responsibility to the Lord and to his church. There's an accountability that we find in the New Testament church. And many today are not comfortable with any form of accountability. But we need it in our lives. And we come together to encourage one another 
to provoke one another unto love and to good works. It's a calling that has been placed upon us. It is a responsibility that we have. And so we are to consider one another. Number two, we are members one of another. And and really, that's where it all should have started. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. For we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. It means in our body, there are many members, our fingers, our our. Our, uh, our limbs, our bones, our skin, our organs, our muscles, our tissue, those are all members of our body, and they have not the same office. Aren't you glad they do not have the same office? If they all had the same office, we wouldn't, we wouldn't function too well. We would just look like a thumb walking around, you know? And he says, for as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, speaking of us individually who are a part of the church, are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. We depend upon one another. We are joined one to another. We have a responsibility. Imagine if your, your right hand said, or your left hand, let's, let's say it was your left hand, said, you know, I don't, get, I don't get as much action as the right hand does. I'm not as involved. Uh, he doesn't use me. I think I'm out of here. <laughs> well, we'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? And uh, let's imagine your left lung said, yeah, I feel the same way. You say, well, it's a silly illustration, but the truth of the matter is you and I are members of his body. And when we are not functioning, the body is not functioning. So we're members one of another. We are to consider one another. Let me give you a third thought. We are to prefer one another. Look at Romans chapter 12 and verse number 10. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. We are, number three, to prefer one another to prefer one another. That means to put one another ahead of ourselves. There are things that, expectations that we have, there are opinions that we hold to. There are places of service in the church. And oftentimes, uh, especially in this culture, uh, we're encouraged to be the first, to be the foremost, but that is not the way that Christians ought to live their lives. We should prefer one another. That's why we are to rejoice with those who rejoice. We, we are grateful for their successes and their victories, even when it comes in a time when we are not sharing personally in successes and victories or experiencing them. We are to prefer one another putting others ahead of ourselves. Uh, We do not have to have our way. We do not have to have uh, our opinion valued above others. We do not have to occupy the place of service that we can allow others to occupy. We are 
preferring one another. Let me give you the fourth one. We are to be humble in our interactions with one another. Humble in our interactions with one another. We cannot prefer one another if we're not humble in our interactions with each other. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 16, but be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend. That means go low. Make yourself low. Condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. It is a part of our flesh to desire to be respected and admired. It is uh, part of our sin nature to uh, desire that our opinions be valued and that we be esteemed by others and we be seen by others as um, talented, gifted, intelligent people. But the Bible said that we should not seek those things, but that we should condescend to be men of low estate, humble men. Be not wise in your own conceits, your own thoughts. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. And when you think that way, you will not be as easily offended or feel overlooked or underappreciated. Let me give you the next one. We are to be merciful and gracious to one another. Romans chapter 14 and verse number 13, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion uh, to fall in his brother's way. Now let me back up and read Romans chapter 14 and verse number 10. The question comes, but why dost thou judge thy brother or why dost thou set at naught thy brother, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Then he goes on to say in verse 13, let us not therefore judge one another anymore. Uh, we are very gifted at finding fault in other people and failing to see the needs of our own lives. We can get appalled by the sins of other people and wink at our own. And we can be lifted up in our own hearts and minds to set ourselves up as the judge. And if we're not careful, we will develop a critical spirit toward our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so when he says here, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, he is saying, let's not become critical. Let's not pick one another apart. When the church begins to do that, then the church will become divided. But he says, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. And so if we're going to fellowship together, we cannot develop a critical spirit toward one another, and we cannot afford to criticize one another. Let's look at the next one. We are to edify one another. By the way, I've lost count. I just have these in bullet points. 
so I won't feel as bad about taking my time to get through. We're to edify one another. Now, when you criticize someone, what do you do? You tear them down, all right? And that is not what we are to do in the fellowship of the New Testament church. We are not to tear one another down, but we are to build one another up. Romans 14 and verse number 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. Boy, that's a good thing, isn't it? Not trying to start war. Not trying to start a disruption. But to follow the things which make for peace. And things wherewith one may edify. There's that word, another. As believers, we have a responsibility to build one another up. That's what the word edify means. To encourage, to exhort, and to build up a kind word, a greeting, and an acknowledgement. Now, here's what we have to understand again. It's not somebody's responsibility to do that to us. That's a consumer mentality. It is our responsibility to do that to others. That is a servant mentality. And we are all servants. Unless we think that we are not, then we understand that we have not humbled ourselves. We're to build one another up. That song was a blessing. Thank you for singing it. Thank you for serving as an usher. Thank you for your prayers for me. Let me tell you that I'm praying for you. These are the ways that we build one another up, encouraging one another, loving one another, praying for one another. So many of you write cards and notes when people are dealing with sickness and illness. That's how you build one another up, expressing your love and appreciation for one another as you consider one another. This is what fellowship looks like in a church. It really is much more than just having a meal on the fifth Sunday, right? It is us being a part of each other's lives on a daily basis. Here's the next one. We are to care equally for one another. Now, again, we are made of flesh. We like our comfort. We find people who... Uh, we, we may more naturally gravitate to, whether it be their personality, whatever the case may be, and, and we sort of find our comfort zone, and that's our crowd. And, and we become partial to our crowd, our friends. But see, this congregation is larger than our circle of comfort. And we are all the children of God. We are all part of the family of God, and we are to do all things without partiality. And therefore, we are to demonstrate the same care for another. So we ought to be moved by the burdens of those that we are not as familiar with as those who are our friends and have been for many years. Because we are a part of the family of God. We are members of his body. Let me give you the next one. We find it in Ephesians chapter 4. I've got to move quicker. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. We are to forbear with one another. Forbear. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord Jesus, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. 
with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. The people that maybe you don't naturally gravitate to, there's something about their personality that you don't uh, particularly like or are attracted to in any way. Uh, those who, quite frankly, annoy you and get on your nerves or act in a way that uh, you find unpleasant, those are the ones we're most tempted to be critical of, right? We are to forbear with them. We're to be patient with them. They have circumstances and they have issues in life that maybe we don't have. Oftentimes we find that people are going through things and, and dealing with things that none of us are aware of. And if we're not critical, if we're not careful rather, we can become very impatient with those people and dismissive of those people. God has called on us to forbear with one another. Ephesians 4.32 is the next one. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. We are to be kind to one another. How is it that we demonstrate kindness? Usually by giving attention and by a kind word. By considering one another, acknowledging one another. It's a good thing to do. You know, it... it I understand we're dealing with COVID. I, I get that. But, you know, don't be the last one in and the first one out. This is a community of believers who are part of the family of God. It, it costs you nothing to be kind to someone. May God put that in our hearts, that we would express kindness, a kind word, an encouraging word. Ephesians 5.21, we find our next thought. We are to submit one to another. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You see, we can't always lead the way in every area. And when we do lead the way, we still have to lead the way from the position of submission. A husband leads his wife. We believe that. We believe that's his responsibility. We believe that is the order that God has established. But in order for you to lead your spouse, gentlemen, you have to be submitted to God and to her. Submitted to what is best for her. Submitted to her needs. So that you do not lead from a selfish perspective. You do not lead just simply to be gratified. Selfishly gratified, but you lead to do what is best for those that you love. And as members of his body, we are to submit to one another. So it's not just about making a decision based on my opinion or what I think is best, but on what is best for the whole. Often I say when our family's trying to make a decision, uh, when we had all five children living in our house, uh, we do what is best for our family and in order to do that individuals do not always get what they think is best for them so we're to submit to one another and may God help us to do that this is what it means to fellowship Colossians 3 13 I dealt with this this morning I won't I won't linger on it but we are to forgive one another we are inevitably as we interact we are going to offend 
sometimes intentionally, which is never excusable, hopefully and most of the time unintentionally, people get offended. And when those offenses come, we must be willing to forgive one another. The next one, we are to instruct one another, Colossians 3.16. We dealt with this also this morning. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So we instruct one another. We instruct one another through the teaching of the word, through, the, uh, through our singing together as a congregation. We're reminded of who it is that we have come to worship. We are reminded of his grandeur, his glory, and uh, we are reminded of, of the fact that we are his servants and we are to walk in his truth. And so we instruct one another. We encourage one another. Oftentimes, uh, you know, the Bible te- tells us this. Let me put it this way. The Bible says that the older men shall teach the younger men and the older women shall teach the younger women. Uh, the older men need the younger men. And the younger men need the older men. And the older men have a responsibility to the younger. And the younger need to humble themselves to seek out advice and counsel from the older. And the same thing goes with the younger women to the older women. Uh, We need to instruct each other and encourage one another. The next thought here we find in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 12, we are to love one another. Again, as I said this morning, it is not a love that is based on the attractiveness of the object of that love. But it is a love that is based on the character of the lover. That is the love of God. 1 Corinthians 13, that charity that we are to have. In 1 Thessalonians 3.12, the Bible says, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another. You see, as we fellowship together, as we learn more of one another, as we develop a greater appreciation for one another, do you know what God does? He works in us to cause us to love one another. He says, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another, and toward all men, even as we do toward you. First Thessalonians 4 and verse 9, But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And God by his Spirit moves us to love one another. First John 4 and verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. If we know the Lord, then our heart will be filled with love for our brethren. The next thought, we're to comfort one another. 1 Thessalonians 4.18, wherefore comfort one another with these words. This is dealing in particular with the death of a believer and comforting those who survive uh, the one who has died. And what are we to comfort them with? With the truth of God's word. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. There are times when we're going through trials and afflictions and burdens. There are times when death comes to our household 
where bad news comes to our household and we need comfort. And may I say to you, make it your business to be a comfort giver. Find someone in this church in need. A long list of prayer requests given in our services every Sunday, every Wednesday. Let's be comforters. A comforting word, an encouraging note. Uh, we have people here. If, if, if someone is sick, they're going to get a meal. No questions asked. If they know about it, it's in their power to do it. You see, you comfort people that way. This is what fellowship really looks like. It's not just a good time, right? We're to pray one for another. James 5, 16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We pray for one another. That is a part of our fellowship that we pray for one another. I get texts from time to time, and I appreciate each and every one of them. I'm always humbled to get them. But it says, I'm praying for you, or I prayed for you today. What a blessing that is. To get those texts and know that people are thinking of me and praying for me. I would encourage you to find others in the church that you can pray for. And, of course, we're encouraging you to pray through our membership. Pray for those in your Sunday school class. Uh, pray for those that you sit nearby. Pray for those who are going through trials and let them know you're praying for them. That will strengthen the fellowship of our church. Here's the next thought. Just three left. We're to have compassion for one another. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. If we're going to have compassion, the Bible said we have to be of one mind. Do you know it is easy for us to judge people, isn't it? Have you ever misjudged anybody? Boy, I have. I've seen people and I said, I don't like that guy. <laughs> I'm sure they've said the same of me. I don't like that person. I mean, they seem kind of haughty. Or they seem kind of whatever. You fill in the blanks. But you know what happens when you get to know them? The perspective changes. You see, the easiest thing for us to do is form an opinion of somebody that is an uninformed opinion and carry that opinion because we're just comfortable with that opinion. We've made that conclusion, and that's the way it is. No, that's not the way it is. You see, we as believers need to learn uh, to get to know one another, to understand people, and then to understand that they act oftentimes in light of the circumstances of their lives. Now, that doesn't excuse their actions, especially if they're acting in a way that is inappropriate, but it helps us understand them. Think of the woman who was taken in adultery. Did the Lord have compassion for her? Absolutely. Was she guilty? Absolutely. Was she worthy of condemnation? Yes but the Lord had compassion on her. 
It's easy to carry the hatchet around, isn't it? Make judgments, form opinions, say critical things. It's hard work to get to know somebody and care enough about them to seek to understand them. And then as you learn them, to love them and pray for them and have compassion on them, to have compassion. The next one, we're to practice hospitality towards one another. And by the way, compassion also includes, of course, meeting the needs of those who are in need. 1 Peter 4, 9 will address that. This is the, the next thought. We're to practice hospitality towards one another. The Bible says, use hospitality one to another without grudging. Now, in the New Testament period, the church under persecution, believers scattered, people traveling, uh, they did not want to identify themselves outwardly and publicly as Christians for fear of death. Uh, Nero was after them. But they might come to a place and find believers, and they had no place to stay, no food to eat, and no money to pay. And so Peter wrote to them and said, be hospitable toward your brothers and sisters. Help them. Meet their needs. Take care of them. This means that we have to inconvenience ourselves for others. And if there's anything that Americans do not like to be, that is inconvenienced. But the hallmark of the church is that we are willing to be hospitable, to inconvenience ourselves for the good of others, and to do so without grudging. Here's the last one. We're to minister to one another. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God has gifted each of us with discernment, with wisdom, with an ability, knowledge, mercy, the gifts of the Spirit. God has gifted each of us, some more than others, some far less than others, but God has gifted us. You have a place in the church. Do not ever allow the devil to convince you that you do not. God has placed you in his church. The question I would ask you is, did he make a mistake? And the obvious answer to that question is, no, he didn't. God has placed you in this church, in this local New Testament assembly, and God has a work for you to do. He has gifted you to do that work, and you are to exercise that gift. Do not be content to sit on the bench. There are people in our church who are gifted to do things that they're simply not doing. Maybe they've allowed the devil to discourage them. Maybe, maybe, they, maybe they do not feel appreciated or valued, or, or maybe they are too concerned about performance of that gift and therefore crippled and not able to exercise it. It's time 
to minister. It's time to serve. We're not here to impress one another. We're here to serve the Lord. And if he's given us ability and giftedness to serve him, then what are we waiting on? Well, I'm just waiting on somebody to ask me. Don't wait. Get involved. Get engaged. Minister to God's family. And we'll have fellowship as a church. And that fellowship is essential. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.